Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be back with you again tonight. I want you to uh, turn with me to the uh, book of Numbers. I just want to read one verse there. We'll read a few others um, as we go along this morning, uh, this afternoon, or this evening. <laughs> um, but one verse here that uh, struck me uh, when I re read it, and um, I think it will be an encouragement to all of us here tonight. It's uh, found in Numbers chapter 14. And it speaks of this one uh, called uh, Caleb. And here's what the Lord had to say about him. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. And what I want to focus in on tonight is having a different spirit. A different spirit. We've been uh, spending a little bit of time in the last few sessions talking about um, preparing for the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, the Lord brought this verse to me uh, concerning the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, we read on uh, Sunday, Second uh, Peter in the first chapter, and we looked at some of the uh, characteristics that we should be building upon as we prepare for the judgment seat of Christ so that we get a warm welcome. Now, I think Caleb is going to get a warm welcome to heaven, right? He already has. And um, his judgment, I think, you know, these words speak uh, very well of this particular person. I think there's some things that we can take from Caleb's life that would um, speak to this preparation of the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, we're all going to be there. We're going to give account of our lives. I think it's an important doctrine that um, perhaps we don't talk enough of. And we certainly ought to be prepared for. Caleb, the Lord said of him, had a different spirit and followed me wholeheartedly. Well, the obvious, uh, when you look at Caleb's life, and we could, there's quite a bit of reading actually that we could do, but suffice to say that I think you, um, you know, you remember certainly the story of Caleb when uh, the, uh, the Israelites Moses uh, sent out 12 spies, right? And they all saw the same things. They traveled together. And interestingly enough, 10 came back with a negative report and two had a very positive report of what they saw. What's the difference? The difference is faith, isn't it? And... Um, the reason that Caleb, it's said of him here that he has a different spirit, part of that is his spirit of faith, isn't it? That, as I was mentioning on, on Sunday, that faith is progressive, isn't it? Like, 
We all have faith. You need faith to get saved, right? But it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to get saved in a sense that uh, a conversion or a repentance um, comes from God. <laughs> you know, uh, you can't be saved uh, other than uh, if God, the Lord Jesus said this in John chapter 6, you cannot come to me unless my Father has enabled you. And so uh, we give God all the glory, don't we, for our salvation. And uh, you can't certainly say in your own life, well, I've always believed. No, you haven't. Change your testimony. It's not true. Because then the Bible wouldn't be true, right? It says, no one seeketh after God. But a small amount of faith in a big God who is a graceful and merciful God saved our souls. But faith is progressive in a sense that we start out with faith, but God wants us to believe all of his promises, not just the promises, the promise of salvation. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it's beyond that. And the book of Hebrews really um, is probably from start to finish an encouragement to grow in our faith. Uh, it it admonishes us to not to be babes any longer in Christ. It admonishes believers not to go back to their old way. You know, they, it was mostly to the Jewish uh, people in Hebrews. Um, some Christian, I think some were not. I think the letter was addressed to a mixed multitude there uh, when you look at it. But uh, nonetheless... It's, it's an encouragement to go forward, right, with our faith. If you want to have a different spirit, your faith should grow all the time. Uh, you should have more trust today in the Lord and His promises than you had a year ago. It's a progressive thing. And I, in my, my life, when I take a little step with God in faith it's amazing how he takes a giant step God will increase your faith the disciples said to the Lord Jesus uh, we have faith but uh, give us more of it right because they realized they, they weren't where they should, should have been in terms of their faith here's Caleb and while others are seeing uh Giants. He's he's looking at pipsqueaks as far as he's concerned, because they were just little nothings compared to Caleb's God. You know what I'm saying? And the Bible says that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, "Be cast into the sea." Isn't that what they said? Isn't that what the ten spies said? Look, they had, not only did we see giants, but their cities were walled. 
Well, what did the Lord say? If you have faith, those walls will come down. And sure enough, 40 years later, right? When they went to Jericho, what's the first thing that the Lord did? What's the first miracle that the Lord did 40 years later? He brought those very walls down. Right? And yet, it could have been accomplished 40 years earlier. So Caleb had a different spirit. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you tonight to examine your faith. See where you're at. I mean, do you really trust God? Because your perception of God might be, you might be inhibiting His work in your life. It says in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus wouldn't do any more miracles. It's not that He couldn't do any more miracles. Although the Bible says that He couldn't do any more miracles, but I don't think it meant that. I mean, the Lord Jesus is God. He could do whatever He wanted, right? But it says that He wouldn't or couldn't do any more miracles in His home territory because of their unbelief. You see how unbelief limits God in our lives? Faith is a test, brothers and sisters. It's a test. And we need to, we need, our faith needs to grow. And like I said, in my life I've seen, whenever I've, you know, it, it says that we ought not to test the Lord, but I don't think it has anything to do with not testing Him in terms of our faith. Caleb said, you know what? You know what I see in the land? Let's go up immediately. You know why? Because God's with us. And uh, with God, we're in the majority at all times. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So let's be encouraged by that. If we want to have this welcome and well done and good and faithful servant, I think Caleb is a tremendous example of what we ought to be like when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we ought to have faith like Caleb. And remember this. Faith is progressive, but our faith is grows by what? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Friends, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. People come in to see me in my office, and they want a quick fix. <laughs> they want a quick fix. You know, Doc, uh, I, I need help. Okay. <laughs> and I give them a little lecture every time because um, I, I find that people, they want a quick fix. Okay? So if they want to get better uh, or if they want to lose weight or whatever, I say, okay, I'm going to help you. But I can't go home with you. So, it ain't going to be easy. And I don't know why, like, you know, it's not like we're rubbing on a genie. And, uh, you know what I mean? To, in order to get God to answer our prayers. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
And there's no shortcuts to that. The Bible says that we ought to meditate on God's Word day and night and be careful to do everything that's written therein. Then we will be prosperous and then we will have success. And so there's no shortcuts to a successful Christian life, folks. It's going to require uh, discipline, determination, right? In order to succeed in our Christian life. And... uh, Faith is something, and I mentioned it on Sunday, but just to to reference it again, is an important factor when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. What does it say in Luke's uh, Gospel, chapter 18? When the Lord comes back, shall he find faith on the earth? That's an interesting concept. It almost comes out of nowhere, doesn't it, in that chapter? Remember where... The woman goes to the uh, the ungodly judge, and he says, "You know what? I better just <laughs> I better give in here because she's going to pester me." But that's the point, isn't it? The point is, will we keep going to the Lord Jesus Christ to increase our faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, secondly, this I think is a very important uh, aspect too of preparation for the um, judgment seat of Christ. Brothers and sisters, are we encouragers? Now remember, Caleb comes back with Joshua, only two, and he gives a very positive report. It's interesting, isn't it? Twelve men saw the same thing, experienced the very same thing, Ten come back negative, two are positive. Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen. Every time you open your mouth, we ought to have, wouldn't it be nice if we had a little filter over our mouth that all the negative words got eliminated? You know? But I think we should visualize that. Because if it's not true... Or if it doesn't edify, then we ought not to say it. And uh, I don't see in in the Bible, when I read about spiritual gifts, I haven't seen the gift of discouragement yet. And if you think God's given you that gift, well, I beg to disagree with you. But it's amazing. You know, I haven't been here amongst you folks too long. I love this assembly, by the way. And when I say that, it's because what encouragement is here? That's a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters. Caleb was an encourager. And I think that that is an important, very important... um, He he was not uh, a divider. He was a positive man and come back with a positive report. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that, you know, there can never be anything negative said. Sometimes a rebuke is important. But generally I find that words hurt. They really do. People have no idea sometimes the the discouragement. Uh, you know, Rosie's not here tonight, and that's why I always tell stories when she's not here. And I'm looking at you guys. 
I'll look at your faces. If this gets back to my wife, you guys are in trouble, okay? Um, Rosie's had cancer twice. And um, I remember the first time that um, she got cancer. Um, there was a Wednesday. It, I think she found out on Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, it was devastating news. And, you know, we... Um, you know, we just prayed, and, you know, she cried, and we cried together. And uh, she says, you know what, Tony? I don't want to go to the chapel tomorrow. I said, well, you know, they love you dearly there, and they do. But she said, there's a couple of people that are, that are going to make a beeline for me. I know it. And with nothing good to say. So she skipped the Wednesday night meeting. But on Sunday, guess what happened? Two people came, and here's what they said. One of them said, you know what? My aunt had that type of cancer, and she died. And the second one came up and said, don't worry, you'll lose all your hair and all that, but it'll all grow back. Now, you know what, folks? That's stupid. Don't you think? Like, why? Like, but it's exactly what Rosie said would happen. And she knew who it was going to come from. And she loves these two sisters. But what comes out of their mouth, they don't think. You know? You know, I don't even know what their motives are. They might, I can't judge people's motives. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And a good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, will bring forth good things. Right? And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, will bring forth evil things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Friends, wouldn't it be nice? We need to practice. Remember what I was saying the other night? We need to practice the presence of Christ. We need to practice the filtering of our tongue. And a couple of verses, James 3 and 17 says, The wisdom of above is first of all pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. Gentle. Easily to be entreated. That means it's willing to bend. Not break, but bend. It's without partiality, without hypocrisy, full of mercy and full of good fruit. Now, can you imagine that if you had that little filter... And everything that came out was God's wisdom. Pure, peaceable, gentle, without partiality, without hypocrisy, full of mercy and good, full of good fruit. You know what? I think we would have much less trouble in our assemblies. As a matter of fact, I think we'd have a lot less trouble in our marriages and our homes. If our tongues, as James said, only a perfect man can control the tongue. But we have no excuse, brothers and sisters, because we have the perfect man who is ready to control our tongues if we'll give our tongues to him. True or false? True, isn't it? So just a little word. We're going, listen. As I said, the judgment seat of Christ is not for your sins. But I think rewards will be lost if we've been 
discouraging without even thinking about it sometimes. Okay? Just, Caleb was an encourager. Thirdly, it says here in this little verse that we read, he has followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Half and half is only good for coffee, guys. It was never meant for the Christian life. God wants all of us. And the verse that I can think of for Caleb is uh, Caleb's life wholeheartedly. You know, uh, Caleb, right through his life, uh, wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. And um, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service. Or, as one of the um, uh, versions says, which is the least, I like it, which is the least that we can do for what is God has done for us. Isn't that true? And do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for you, His good and pleasing and perfect will. So there's a way um, that the Bible tells us that it's up to us. Because the Apostle Paul here in Romans says, uh, it's, it's what we ought to do. And that is to commit our lives fully to the Lord Jesus. We want to be pleasing to Him, don't we? Then we need to put our bodies, folks, on the altars for Him. And we need to give our minds to Him. To have a spiritual mind. To have a humble mind. To have a pure mind for Him. And, and not to be conformed to the world. It's so easy, isn't it? to be conformed to the world. And there's a way to test that, folks, is to see, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it's easy to see when, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was uh, Tozer that said, let me see your bank book and I'll tell you how spiritual you are. And that's a good point too, I think, isn't it? Uh, you can tell what you, what we what we uh, spend the, the vast majority of our money on. Is it for the Lord's work? Or is it for things that won't amount to a hill of beans in uh, 50 years from now? They'll just rust out. Set our treasures, the Bible says. Send them on. You know what the, the Bible says, by the way? You know what a hundredfold means? It's 10,000%. I don't know what bank you deal with, but my bank don't pay 10,000%. But the Lord's bank does. Everything that you... Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about a reward ceremony. Do you think that every mite that you give to God isn't being counted in heaven? And, and, and it was wholehearted for Caleb, you see. Everything. That's what it means, wholehearted. And folks, listen... Florida's got 12.9%, I read today, unemployment, the highest in the country. And things are tough, right? 
Not easy in this economy. Things are not easy for folks. You know what? You honor God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You cannot outgive God. And I'll tell you, even in these difficult times, I tell you with, with faith, you give your first fruits to Him and watch what He does. Don't hinder God's work in your life, Christian, by saying, well, God knows I'm broke. <laughs> you know? And you might be broke. But I'll tell you what, folks. God watches, did he? What did he say about that widow? She gave all that she had. And you know what? When we give to the Lord, you can't outgive him. That's been my experience in my life, folks. You cannot outgive God. And he knows your finances. He knows where you're at. We need to be wholeheartedly. We need to have faith. We need to be an encourager. We need to follow the Lord uh, wholeheartedly. Caleb had no fear. We see as Caleb and uh, Joshua, of course, are the only ones that survive the wilderness experience. Even Moses didn't. You know, Moses didn't. Now that's another sermon. Why didn't Mo Moses get into the promised land? It's amazing what disobedience can do, isn't it? And Moses is a great uh, a great man of faith, isn't he? And so, uh, we'll just sort of leave it because I want to stick to Caleb tonight. But Caleb got in with Joshua. The only two people that survived the wilderness experience. The Lord said exactly what would, ha would happen and no one uh, survived except Caleb and Joshua. They came in with a whole new generation of people, Right? And uh, it's interesting, Caleb is a man of no fear because he, um, the first thing that he does is uh, he wants the piece of land that the giants had, the men of Anak had. Isn't it interesting? Here's Caleb, he's 85 years old now. And you know what? Caleb's got no fear. Now, friends, let me share something with you. Fear will neutralize you. Fear will take the stuffing out of your faith, folks. And your fear of what's going to happen uh, tomorrow and your fear of what's happening to you today will neutralize you. It will keep you in your comfort zone. How many people have never moved out of their shell? Maybe even in this room. There may be some men in this room here. I don't know. I don't know you. It's nice about a preacher, you know, coming in from the outside. In a way, it's good. I don't know you guys that well. But I know that probably in a place like this, there is men who have never got up and prayed publicly in this place. There are probably some men in this room that never have got up at the Lord's Supper to give out a hymn. Why? They're fearful. They're terrified. And uh, you want to have a different spirit? you got to get out of your comfort zone. Here's Caleb. He's 85 years old. They're into the promised land. And he says, give me the difficult hill over there. You know where those Anak guys, the Anakonites, they live up on that hill. 
They're the giants. Give it to me. I'm going to take care of it because the Lord has preserved me. He said, I'm 85, but I'm as strong as I was 40 years ago. I'll show those guys a thing or three. That was Caleb. You see how the Lord loved that spirit in him? And folks, listen. You might find difficulty in certain areas or whatever. You know what? You've got to get out of your comfort zone. God will bless you for taking steps of faith. And you might never have thought, you know what? You're just going to sort of hide into the furniture here. And it's nice. And listen, I encourage, I thank God, I know I'm speaking to the choir tonight, that you're here. That's an important thing. Do not forsake the assembly of one another as the custom of some. But you know what? I've seen many Christians over the years that I've found that God has given them spiritual gifts and they don't exercise those gifts. They just don't use them. And it's because of fear. Oftentimes it's fear. Fear will neutralize your faith. And then lastly, and like I said, I didn't read the verses tonight because of time, but read the story of Caleb. It's, you know, you have to go through a few uh, books to get them, but the whole story. But you'll read here when you get to the book of Judges that uh, Caleb, I, I like this because I think it's very, very practical. Caleb has a contest for his daughter. You want to marry my daughter? The guy that comes and fights with me. That's the one that's going to get my daughter. You know what, brothers and sisters? Now, I'm speaking more to the young parents that are here tonight. The Bible says... Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they, they are old, they shall not depart from it. Now listen, one thing I've known over the years is this. You could be perfect parents, and I haven't met any yet, but you could be, and you should shoot for it. And that doesn't necessarily mean with 100% certainty that your kids are going to turn out right. But generally... My experience has been this, just observing, traveling through, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of assemblies over my years of preaching and watching and observing parents. And I've preached on this many a times, especially at youth conferences. But you know what? There is a way to set an atmosphere for success for your children spiritually. I touched on a couple of points on Sunday. One of them I said, a lot of parents, uh, they have a democracy in their home. They've got to remove that and put a theocracy in their house. That means God's first. God will honor that. Can't be a democracy. I've known a lot of parents that want to make their children their best friends. You don't want to do that. It will not make for a successful Christians. Your parents. You're not their friends. Now, you can be friendly, but you're not their friends. 
Because the buck, I always used to say to my kids, stops with dad. Don't go to mom for a little conspiracy because it won't work. And you know what? They knew the rules. They knew the rules. And Tony Martin's experience has been this. Parents, get involved in your children's life and be involved in their life. And don't bury your head in the sand. Find out what they're up to. Find out what they're reading. Find out about the Internet. You might know nothing. I didn't know anything about the Internet. Thank God. It wasn't around when my kids were uh, growing up. But you know what? I got involved in the youth group. You know why? Because my kids were youth. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go and help out. Because <laughs> I want to know what's going on. And you could, I could have fun like nobody's business. Okay? But you know what, folks? Uh, it was not a democracy. It was a theocracy in my house. And my wife and I, we, we, uh, we, we had a beautiful thing in our marriage that every Friday night, my wife and I, you're not invited. We go out on a little date. And we still do it. Her and I go out Friday night and have Chinese food every Friday night. Every Friday night. Wow. 50 out of 52 weeks of the year. For the last, I've been saved now 28 years. That's how long we've been going on dates. I don't know what the God just told me to do that. Best thing ever did. I might look stupid, but it's paid off big, big time in our marriage. But you know what happens? We go and we solve all the little wee things and we get onto the same page. And you cheap men out there that won't take your wife out for some Chinese food and look at her in the eyeballs and tell her you love her, there's nothing better that will restore and regenerate your marriage than having dates. And no one else is invited. Just you and your spouse. But then you get on the same page about raising those children for Christ. I tell you, God honors that, folks. You want your children to turn out right for Jesus Christ. I don't care if they're doctors, lawyers, or whatever. What has that got to do with anything? In a hundred years from now, where are they going to spend eternity? Caleb says, you want, no, you know what? You want my daughter? Well, you come and fight with me, man, this spiritual battle. And you know what, folks? I tell you, you need to be involved. Don't bury the head in the sand. You know, I remember this, uh, a couple of things about my kids. My mother died in November uh, 14th in 1992. Was a, it was, it was a, a terrible day. Well, my mother went to be the Lord with the Lord. I, I preached at her funeral. She got saved on her deathbed. And in her deathbed, she, she, she told my dad that I was to preach at her funeral. You knew she was saved. But as I was going through that difficult time, my son was going out with a, a girl that I just didn't, I didn't have the right vibes of her. And she was, she was coming to the youth group and blah, blah, blah. But I just didn't feel right about it. And you know what? I, on the same day that we buried my mother, I said, son, you and I are going for a ride. And when Tony and I would go for a ride, he's Tony, don't ask for Tony Martin at my office because 
There's my dad was Dr. Tony Martin. I'm Dr. Tony Martin. My son's Dr. Tony Martin. And my father-in-law was Tony. So if you ever call the tone, which one? Well, it took 10 minutes. Anyway. Anyway, I took my son out for a ride. And I said, Tony, listen to me. I want you to be happy. And I want you to marry someone like your mother. That's a high standard, Tony. I understand that. But I said, that girl you're going out with now is not your mother and is not like your mother. And she's not like her spiritually either. And I can't tell you what to do, Tony. You're, you're now an adult. But I want to tell you where I, what I think. And I say this because I love you. And I'll tell you, marriage is a long time. And I said, you know what your mother's like. You've got the best mom in the world. And I have the best wife in the world. And I want you to marry someone that's like her. That's your goal. And I said, that girl won't do. Left that at that. After I preached at my mother's funeral, my son came to me and took me out of a crowd, put his arms around me and said, Dad, I will do what you asked me to do. Friends, listen to me. These things come when you have a different spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. He wanted his children to do what he did. And it wasn't pride. It was the right thing to do, wasn't it? And folks, if you want, and I'm speaking to young especially tonight, if you want your children to turn out, you cannot do it by osmosis. It will not just happen. And I'll tell you two things that I found in this, again, is my experience, and I think I could base it on Scripture, is what? Two things that will ruin your children. One, legalism. And the second one is liberalism. Those two will ruin your children. Tony Martin's, uh, the book of Tony, chapter 4. <laughs> okay? You won't find it in your New Testament. But that's been my experience. Legalistic parents lose their children, by and large. But so do liberal parents. So what do you got to do? You gotta, you've got to have a task and a goal for your children. And you've got to be involved with that. And it's not going to happen without you wearing out the carpet praying, but leading by example in your home. You want them to have a home like you, like you have. I'm first-generation Christian, folks. I didn't see. I didn't see. My parents were not Christian. So I couldn't take it from them, right? But you take it from the Word of God. You train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they shall not depart from it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O God. Thank you for these examples, Father, in the Old Testament that we can take a person like Caleb and, and just uh, garner some beautiful truths about this man's life. Father, how you, had, you said about him that he had a different spirit, that he followed you wholeheartedly. O God, we want that in our lives, Father. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And if there be any hurtful way in me, lead me, Father, in the everlasting way. Father, tonight I pray for these dear saints. Lord, would you bless them and honor them? Father, if there's any here tonight that perhaps are... Uh, some of these words, Father, have spoken to their hearts. Oh, God, would you just uh, remind them of these things? Father, increase our faith. Father, we live in a corrupt uh, society. Father, uh, much like uh, it was in the days of Noah. Oh, Father, help us. We need, uh, we need your help, oh, God. And, Father, uh, part us now with your blessing, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.